Welcome to the Food is Wasted podcast, which explores the issue of food waste, the causes, the consequences, and the work being done to try and reduce it. My name is Chris King, and if you'd like to read about and see what I've witnessed while documenting the issue over the past few years in cities and on farms across Europe, then visit the Food is Wasted website at foodiswasted.com. To help me get this podcast heard by as many people as possible, I'd really appreciate it if you would share it on social media and rate it and review it on iTunes. And when you do visit the Food is Wasted website, please also share the work I've published there, helping me ensure the stories and voices of those people I've documented and interviewed are seen and heard by as many people as possible. We would all appreciate it very greatly. So on to today's episode. When I was over in Copenhagen last year for a few days, I got in touch with Selina Yule, founder of the organization Stop Wasting Food, to see if she would be willing and able to be interviewed, and she very kindly said she was. The day we arranged to meet, Selena was being interviewed and participating in a panel discussion at a national radio station, which I was able to sit in on, and after which we find a suitable space to conduct this interview. Those people who keep an eye on all things food waste will no doubt be aware of Selena and the work she does. She has achieved an incredible amount, both as an individual, from speaking in front of the European Parliament and the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, to being awarded Dane of the Year in 2014, and also through the Stop Wasting Food movement, which Selena started in 2008 and itself has won many awards and contributed significantly to raising awareness and reducing food waste in Denmark by engaging politicians, supermarkets and households alike. The organisation has also been a key contributor to the EU's own resolutions against food waste. Before we get into the interview, I just wanted to let you know that this episode is also available as a video, which you can watch on YouTube at foodiswasted.com forward slash YouTube. Enjoy the interview. My name is Selena Yule. I'm the founder of the Stop Wasting Food Movement Denmark, uh, Stop Spit and uh, uh, we are today the largest Danish NGO against food waste. And what exactly have you done to try and reduce the amount of food waste? Well, basically, uh, today we have influenced pretty much the entire value chain to stop wasting food. Uh, over eight years ago, where I started the movement, there was not much focus on food waste. Um, back then, basically, you know, before the financial crisis, people tended to waste a lot of food. <laughs> and I started out, you know, as a Facebook uh, page, Stop Wasting Food. Uh, because, you know, personally, I was quite mad with uh, angry with, uh, you know, p- so many people wasted food. Uh, and then just two months, uh, three months later, uh, we were not only in the national media, but the um, biggest uh, discount retail chain in Denmark, Rema Tsusen, Rema 1000, they came to us and they heard about us and they said because of our movement they have decided to uh, uh, cut down the uh, bulk discounts, you know, uh, pay three, uh, buy three, pay for two. And when they did that, uh, we were all over the news and it really started, you know, from there where, you know, we started working with the government. Today we worked with the third government in a row. We uh, also published a leftovers cookbook, which I can uh, explain later. We introduced doggy bags in Denmark, um, won a lot of prizes, a lot of awards. Uh, the movement is growing. Uh, the 
almost every uh, supermarket in Denmark has focus on food wastes. And um, what also happened this year is we were featured on BBC and the video got, in two months, got 24 million views. So it is very huge. And why do you think um, people, supermarkets, the government have all been very receptive within Denmark? Well, you know, uh, Danish people, you, we, we, it, we are very... We're like a tribe, you know, and it's a good cause. And Denmark is a small country and it is quite easy to move the consumers, especially when it's a very good cause. Uh, you know, um, when you stop wasting food, you stop wasting your time, you stop wasting your money, and at the same time, you help the environment. So basically, it's a win-win situation. Uh, regarding to the politicians, it is because, you know, we worked with the... Uh, liberal governments, we work with democratic governments, social democratic governments, and it's all, you know, it's not about the politics, but it's about a very good cause that everybody can join on board and everybody can agree on. And the supermarkets, because, you know, there are a lot of supermarkets really adopted the stop wasting food as a part of their CSR strategy. And it is also because, you know, um, we the consumers, we expect supermarkets to do something to stop wasting food. And that is why more and more supermarkets in Denmark, uh, they think it's a good idea because consumers demand it. Almost every entire supermarket in Denmark, they sell uh, uh, food um, that is about to expire with reduced prices, uh, on reduced prices, which means that, you know, you can buy good cheap food uh, at almost no money. <laughs> and uh, it also helps stop wasting food. So basically, you know, every supermarket in Denmark has more or less a strategy to stop wasting food. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's, no, that's good. Yeah. And, and what about the government in terms of legislation? And uh, have they been progressive in, in amending current legislation or introducing new legislation? Well, they did. Uh, our present Minister for Environment of Food, Espen Lunde Larsson, is very much uh, into the agenda. He uh, made a scheme who's actually helping a lot of new projects to stop wasting food from uh, farm to fork. And uh, he's also looking at the um, uh, you know, the cause of how to make it easier for the supermarkets to donate food to charities. Uh, our former minister uh, for the food, Dan Jørgensen, which we also collaborated with, actually changed the law, which means that uh, today all supermarkets in Denmark, they can sell food that has expired the best before date. You know, it's rice and pasta and chocolate. They can actually sell it if they want to. So it's, it's a pretty huge step. Yeah, yeah definitely. And um, you're quoted as saying consumers are the biggest wasters. Um, so is that something based on comprehensive statistics within Denmark? Well, it's not only Denmark. You know, if you see the statistics in Denmark, is these actually consumers are the biggest food wasters if you break down the entire value chain. But it's also in the European Union. You can see in the United States, uh, the data shows that the consumers are the biggest food wasters. Uh, and in Denmark, first you have the consumers who are the biggest food wasters, then you have the industry, uh, and then you have the supermarket. So it's, you know, um, but still, there's a problem everywhere and that's why we need to attack the problem everywhere that's what uh, our organization is doing that's what a lot of people are doing uh, it's not like you cannot have just one miracle solution to stop wasting food there's a lot of solution that can be implemented yeah, yeah,
But do you do you trust the data? Because uh, you know, I know that uh, within the UK, for instance, there's very little data at a farm level. It so is. there's very little yeah. real understanding as to the extent of uh, the waste being produced because of, say, cosmetic standards yes. um, and general kind of um, current supermarket practices and, and mm. agricultural practices. So, you know, without that comprehensive data, then inevitably it's going to put greater attention um, or skew the data, skew the figures um, in um, against the consumer, maybe because there's mm. more comprehensive data available. Mm. So, you know, do you, is that the same here in Denmark? Or do you trust the data that there is? And well, there are two biggest data providers on the food waste. The one is the Danish EPA, it's the government, and the other one is the Danish Agriculture and Food Council. And the data we have today uh, from the Danish EPA is actually showing that, yes, the consumers are the biggest food wasters, and if you go to the industry, if you go to the farm levels, there's not much data, just in the UK. And you also need to remember that all the data we have, it's basically estimates. Uh, the BBC video uh, said that uh, due to partly because of our work, the Danish, uh, the Denmark's uh, food waste has been reduced by 25% in five years. Now it is an estimate by the Danish Agriculture and Food Council, so it's not exact numbers. Uh, but also we need to remember that every time we see a supermarket throwing out food on a TV, it's horrible, but it also makes us, the consumer, think that it's their fault and someone has to be blamed. So it's not our fault, it's their fault. And what our organization is trying to say that we own this together. It's all our responsibility. That is why we, all of us, are the great potential to stop wasting food. We cannot just go around and blame Tesco <laughs> or blame, you know, other. I mean, we, we need to work together to stop wasting food. Yeah. And are you hopeful with um, the European Commission kind of creating the circular economy package and, and this EU action plan for the circular economy? Are you hopeful that um, constructive action is going to occur across the value chain? Well, um, I have a member seat in the European uh, Commission's um, platform against food losses and waste uh, in Brussels. And right now we are discussing on how to measure food losses and waste. Uh, I'm also co-developer of the um, International uh, Food Losses and Waste Protocol with the World Resource Institute. So there is a tool to measure food losses and waste. Now, the problem is that a lot of countries view food waste differently and a lot of countries view food differently. So, for example, what is edible in China, it's not edible for the people in Denmark because they will never eat, for example, the insides of the, uh, an animal. Uh, and, and again, so it, it is quite a huge issue. I, I know that European Union adopted a goal just as the United Nations that by 2030 we have to halve our food loss and waste. We have to cut them down by 50%. And it's a huge goal and we're busy. <laughs> but we also need to measure it because what can be measured can be managed. And right now it's important that 
the countries, not only in the European Union, but also, you know, all over the world, start to measure food losses and waste and the very same standardized uh, way. Because if they measure different things, they will never achieve the same reduction. And so what have you come up with? Is there an initial concept? Well, right now we, we are, uh, the protocol, the food loss and waste protocol, it is, uh, it has been launched, it has already been used in some countries, uh, so it is being implemented. So uh, if countries need to reduce their food losses and waste, they have to have this tool to measure it on the same way. Otherwise, you measure two different things. And um, how do you feel food waste can be kept on the agenda. Obviously, you know, this, these, these developments at an EU level and UN level are fantastic, um, but if they're not written into law, then there's not necessarily any binding obligation for the countries to, to take action. How, how best do you feel that this legislation, this, this potential, this desire for um, obtaining these goals, how best do you feel it can be beyond measurement, you know, obviously you've mentioned measurement. You can see in Denmark, I mean, 8.5 years ago, uh, almost nine years ago, I started the Stop Wasting Food Movement. It's a consumer initiative. We don't need any any laws or any, you know, uh, regulations because it is started by the people. It's a bottom-up grassroots initiative that really got on the government agenda, on the agenda of the politicians, on the agenda of the supermarkets. And basically, we don't need any uh, laws that punish uh, companies if they uh, throw food away. I mean, just like in France, um, in France, they have the food waste law, which is basically, you know, if you're a supermarket, you do not donate your excess food to charity, or you do not give your excess food to biogas, uh, you will be fined. And the worst case scenario, you can go to jail if you're a supermarket. Uh, now, uh, it cannot happen in Denmark because, you know, we only have like five or ten charities. So if all entire, every entire supermarket in Denmark starts to donate food to those charities, they won't drown in food. They won't have resources to give the food to all the needy people. So, and you're only pushing the problem onto a new level. What we also need to work on is the prevent of the excess food, prevent of the surplus food, to find out why is there is so much surplus food to begin with. Because of course there's a lot of initiatives like, for example, uh, we uh, introduced doggy bags in Denmark and it's a very good initiative. People, they, they really like it. I mean, a lot of Danes, uh, uh, every second Dane actually thinks it's a very good idea. Mm -hmm. But it is a symptom treatment <laughs> because, you know, uh, basically what you need to do is find out why is there needed for doggy bag? Why is there so portions are so huge? Maybe you could cut down the portions. The same with, you know, um, uh, food that goes to charity, which is a great idea, like Food Cycle. Very, very amazing initiative. But still, you need to remember that, you know, it keeps the symptoms running, you know, that you have to, as a supermarket, have to deliver some surplus food to the charities, and so you need to generate all the surplus food. Now, why do you have all those surplus food to begin with? So we need to address the, the root cause as well. Mm -hmm. And what do you feel is the root cause? Well, the root cause, it's a lot of times, you know, um, 
for example, at the farm level, if you have some ugly produce, some imperfect, wonky produce, most of the time it's, it's not living, even living the farms because the farmer knows that the people in supermarkets like you and I, or probably not you and I because we're very conscious of food waste, but uh, people in general, they won't buy carrots that are look, looking wonky or uh, potatoes looking a little bit ugly or let's say cucumbers or bendy. Uh, and the thing is, it's so sad because a lot of good food goes to waste. Now, if you can put that produce on the market, in the supermarkets, and make people buy that thing, make people buy those ugly produce because it tastes just the same, actually, uh, it will not only cut food waste, it will also generate growth for the farmer. Now, another thing what you also can do to address the root cause is making the food waste products. And I say, what is the food waste product? Basically, uh, it is a product made, uh, made out of food waste, made out of those ugly produce. If you have, for example, ugly tomatoes or wonky cucumbers, um, stuff like that, you, you can actually produce it into a soup and put it onto the market. Uh, a lot of Danish producers already uh, being made into this ugly produce and put on the market. Uh, there's a lot of initiatives in Netherlands, in France, in Germany, uh, who are making this ugly produce and putting that onto the market, which is good because now the farmer actually uh, sells that stuff and it, it can use the stuff and it is going into the produce and you and I can get, you know, support, stop wasting food basically. Having to address the root causes um, and obviously a big part of that is uh, at a farm level and, and uh, what's being produced there. Um, so, let's see. How, because I, you know, speaking to, um, and as you have today, um, the director of CSR at uh, the co-op here um, in Denmark, and she mentioned that they tried an initiative to introduce wonky uh, veg uh, in the past and it was unsuccessful. Mm. Um, so that, um, you know, maybe maybe they need to alter the way in which they kind of introduce that, uh, that produce, but obviously then there's uh, the consumer side and, and their perception of it. Mm. So I know that when I was a child, uh, you could buy wonky fruit and veg it was in the supermarkets, but that was, you know, um, that was before supermarkets became dominant, mm. and uh, you know, started kind of engineering the system uh, for their own benefit. Mm. So, you know, how how best you feel that um, that you can achieve what you want to achieve in terms of addressing those symptoms? Because, uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't know where I'm going with this question, but it's it's all a bit nebulous um, because you got the consumer side, you got the, the retailer side, um, and there's there's kind of all these forces pulling each in different directions. You know, obviously at a retailer level, it's about profits and it's about um, health and safety and, and these and and PR, so that their their brand. Um, at a consumer level, you've got um, such a diversity of uh, diets and religious and ethnic kind of 
cultural um, forces that are dictating how people uh, engage and interact with their food and, and what they consume and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, because of, because of that, I, I feel there is actually a need for legislation. There is a need for, not necessarily uh, punitive, not necessarily, you know... Um, like France. Yeah, like France, but maybe incentivizing mm. and, and tax breaks or something um, that make it, um, yeah, a positive, taking a positive approach to the introduction of new legislation or amending current legislation because, because of the, the diversity of, of mm. consumers uh, it's going to be very difficult to mobilise them in any significant way and create critical mass. And retailers, because of you know the forces that are at work there, there's going to be resistance. And at least, maybe not in Denmark, but elsewhere. So, yeah. I, I feel that in order in order to kind of create significant change in a very short space of time, because we're at this tipping point in terms of climate change, deforestation. Soil degradation, all these things, it needs to happen, and there's not really that time for the grassroots momentum to build up, because you know I was part of the climate change movement, um, you know, 20 odd years ago, and you know it's still there's still a huge amount of resistance. It's it's not a, a, like a um, a well-known uh, issue, whereas it wasn't uh, when I was campaigning uh, initially, but. You know that can't happen with food waste. We're 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 at that tipping point where we need significant action. So, you know, in terms of legislation, um, yeah. What what do you feel? What incentive could you do you feel could be brought to consumers, brought to retailers, manufacturers? And well, you said it yourself. Positive incentive, because you know, for example, if um, the farmer could could sell. The produce uh, that is wonky, uh, and somebody will buy it, and somebody will actually eat it. I mean, it's it's already positive because now he's going to get a lot of money out of it, instead of just uh, the, uh, throwing it away, <laughs> and it never leaves the farm. Uh, basically, it could be another one. Was for example, uh, companies could donate food uh, to charities, and maybe they can be get a tax, tax reduction in a way uh, that is also being looked at at the moment in the European Union's uh, uh, platform on the food losses and waste. Uh, definitely, I mean, I do not believe the French example is that we really have to punish and we really have to, you know, put supermarkets in jail <laughs> uh, because uh, then they will start to avoid f food waste on some other creative level because they fear of going to jail and that's not going to solve the problem uh, but positive incentive is is quite interesting and also the power of the consumers again again I mean we've been working on this level for eight years nine years soon and we know that the consumer have huge power and but sometimes you need to you know tell the consumers that you have this power you can go to the supermarket and you please start asking for the wonky carrots. Now, I know that the scene from the co-op, uh, the CSR director, the wonky carrots, well, they have introduced that in the shop and it was not that popular because people, you know, when, when they have to cook and prepare the, the carrots, they want them straight. <laughs> wonky is a bit difficult, but I mean, it's a change of our mentality. I mean, we need also need to change the mentality and think it's okay that, for example, the supermarkets doesn't have 
all the range of foods five minutes to closing time. Like in a buffet, in a canteen, in a restaurant, if you have a, a buffet, maybe you don't have everything on the buffet three minutes to the closing time because simply you don't, you know, uh, you can get everything on it. Uh, so basically, I think also what we tried, you know, when we, um, and it was many years ago, and it was in 2011, uh, we contacted Gulden, which is the biggest publishing agency. And we, we said to them, guys, shouldn't we do a leftover cookbook? Because by that time, leftovers, I mean, they were not popular and they were not really sexy. <laughs> because, you know, it's leftovers. Many people saying, ah, leftovers, what's that? So we changed the mentality basically today. And we, we also got, you know, very, very uh, top celebrity chefs to, to back up the project to make this leftover food. So you can actually see it's very good food, can be made into dishes, you know, some new delicious dishes and you can, uh, you know, uh, save your time and you can save your money. And basically, you know, that's what needs to be done. So, you know, educate the consumers. For example, they have some porridge. Every Sunday people are having uh, porridge here in Denmark. It's very popular. And if you have a leftover porridge, what can you do with that? Well, you can bake some small cakes. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's quite, um, easy once you get into it so yeah but do you do you feel that consumers are receptive because of you know the forces that are at work there you know in terms of um and and also because of where we are we're in a very dynamic era mm -hmm. there's lots of hard hitting issues um that are maybe a bit more uh, emotive you know so the wars that are going on, yes, refugee, um, crisis. refugee yeah. crisis, and then the rise of nationalism and, yes. and the far right. You know, so there are all, there are all these very uh, big issues that are getting a lot of mainstream media attention, and they are dominating both the the politics and also, um, yeah, the, um, the the individuals' kind of attention. So mm. how? How do, how do you think there is then the potential to kind of keep this on people's agenda and get them to engage with it? Because mm. again, you know, but, but doing it quickly, doing it yes. effectively and doing yes. it quickly. Because eight years, you know, you've achieved a huge amount in eight years and it's mm. fantastic. Um, and, but because of where we're at, mm. you know, and especially with then Donald Trump Yes. being you know so uh -huh. there are these setbacks as well that are that are possibly going to hinder progress so um you know what do you feel can be best done and to engage with as many individuals as possible well first of all it's clever communication because we've been on the media's agenda for eight years i mean today we're sitting in the denmark's radio which is a National Media uh, Broadcasting Corporation, and I just did two interviews uh, on national radio, so there is a still <laughs> a lot of attention on the topic. Uh, but it is also about the clever communication, because you are absolutely right. At one point, people will get tired about uh, hearing, stop wasting food. So what we do is that basically, first of all, we are a lot of very uh, good people going in the media. It's not only Selena. Because if only Selena goes in the media, people will get tired of look, looking at this Kalishi girl, right? So it's not only Selena, it's a lot of people in the media. Uh, we have, you know, shifts. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, it's our uh, chef, for example, Anne-Marie from the book. Uh, she's going in the media as well. So we are really taking shifts. 
uh, it's also communicating very clear messages because in the stop wasting food, it's very much about what's in there for me. Consumer wants want to know what's in there for me. What can I get out of stop wasting food? That's why we put into our book, you can actually, uh, back then, you can save 10,000 Danish kroner a year on an average household if you stop wasting food. So it's very uh, important, you know, to get very hands-on. And what's interesting with our agenda here in Denmark, you know, no matter if you're a liberal or if you're a social democrat or you're far le left or far right, uh, they are interested in the subject because you know you know what it all boils down to 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 the subject it's like you're wasting your time you're wasting your money uh, by wasting your food <laughs> so basically if you stop wasting food you stop wasting your time you stop wasting your money and you can actually you know make world the better place but sometimes we do not communicate about the environment because people at this point, are very, very tired about hearing the environment. It's very much not hands-on because the climate change is such a huge topic and people, they really don't know what they can do personally to, to help the environment. But if you get down to communicating and saying, stop wasting food, it triggers them. It triggers them because there's a lot of things you can do as a consumer on an individual level. And there's also, you know, as a restaurant, a lot of restaurants today, they are really the front runners to stop wasting food. They have, um, a lot of them, they cut down the buffets. They only have the portion sizes. Uh, a lot of them, uh, because they cut down the food waste, they have a lot of more money to put into organic food, for example. So at that level, it, they're very much front runners. So it's also a big business. So you are hopeful then, and obviously, you know, you've done a real diversity of things in engaging mm. consumers. Yes. And, you know, um, but you're hopeful that it won't take disaster, because very often it takes disaster, scarcity, you know, something to cause scarcity. And yeah. scarcity is going to come with climate change. And, and but, but so many people it just will. can't see it. Yes, because, exactly. because it's in the future. Yeah, uh, and, and because in places like Denmark, the UK, people have had, um, or at least you know, Britain, uh, Northern Ireland's a bit different, but um, people are used to abundance. They're mm. used to just being able to walk across the road to the supermarket, get what they want, yeah. and no issue. Yeah, exactly. You know, for for the majority. Um, and very often we as humans don't really take action until you know we're on the yeah, yeah. on the cliff edge yeah. and then we have to you know it's right there in front of us yes. but but you're hopeful then that that with the momentum that you've built up over the past eight years and, and what's happening across Europe and the world you're hopeful despite this and um, this very kind of um, dynamic era that we're living in and so much going on you're hopeful that things will change that people will engage with this and they, they will change their, their practices at all levels retailers government I hope I hope because you know now the food waste is gone on the agenda of the United Nations the sustainable development goal 12.3 and you know back then in 2010 we were in Brussels in European Parliament and um, co-signed the joint declaration against food waste which is uh, back then was a declaration that we want to cut down food waste by 25% by 50, 2050. And kind of this document was delivered to the United Nations, to the European Union, and kind of set 
things in motion. So I'm quite satisfied uh, and I'm also quite hopeful that, you know, it is on the agenda of the United Nations. So no matter the government you have, no matter if that's uh, left-wing or right-wing government, the food waste is right now on the agenda of the United Nations. It is big, it is huge, and it is also on the agenda of the European Union. And it gives us hope that, you know, when uh, nobody else wants to do anything, but you do have the United Nations and you do have the European Union, and those are two huge super tankers <laughs> and you cannot ignore them. So basically I also think that what's going on is it's some kind of a new awakening in a way that people are starting to become aware that we are in the middle of a huge crisis. It's a climate crisis. It's a resource scarcity crisis. We haven't even seen anything of it yet, but it is coming. It's the overpopulation crisis. We're going to be more and more people. We need to produce more and more food for those 20, uh, 12 billion people that's going to be by the end of the century. And people are starting to realize that we cannot keep producing one third of the world's food has been produced to feed the garbage. We cannot keep doing that. And at the same time, we have almost a billion people who are going hungry, who are starving. So if you see like this, I mean, people are awakening, people are starting to understand that what they do, their personal individual actions, the actions of companies, the action of governments are actually affecting uh, on the entire planet, on the entire society. So yes, I, I am hopeful and uh, I, I think that we will uh, change and the change is inevitable, but I don't think we need to force the change. Not with the laws or regulations or prison. <laughs> uh, we really need to start this uh, awakening from bottom up, what, it's what we did in Denmark, and now it's started to affect the company, started to affect the government, started to affect you know everybody. Uh, and it's on the media agenda as well, still, which is amazing. So uh, really, we need to keep going. Okay, okay so just to wrap up, um, what is in store, um, what next, what are you, in terms of, do you have new initiatives in the pipeline? Oh, oh we always do have new initiatives. Uh, well, first of all, we are working right now on this uh, new initiative, it's called Surplus Food. And I know it's a bit of a symptom treatment, but as I already told there, there is a lot of surplus food in the industry. For example, let's say it's January, and in industry you have a lot of Christmas cookies and you cannot sell Christmas cookies in January because people won't buy them. <laughs> so right now we're building up the system, it's called surplus food and it's basically the food that has gone from the industry to the local charities so they can, uh, the Denmark's uh, people, Danish people's aid, they have 50 local departments in Denmark and the food can go to those departments and could be given free to food insecure families. Uh, now we're testing this in Olense uh, and it's doing quite well so we're very hopeful that it's going to be a national initiative. So uh, it's a lot of work. And, and where, where are you getting your financial support from? How are you kind of sustaining all this? Well, we, well just like other NGOs it's difficult uh, and we are seeking a lot of funding. Um, Sometimes we're lucky, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're lucky to get on the funding for the government. You know, the previously uh, mentioned initiative, Surplus Food, is actually funded 
by the government, which is good. Uh, so sometimes we're lucky, sometimes we're not. And that's uh, the life of the NGO. Uh, so yeah, we're struggling just like many other NGOs, but we're hopeful. We're not giving up. Great. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Food is Wasted podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Selena. Um, you can find out more about the work Selena and her organization does at stopwastingfoodmovement.org. At stopwastingfoodmovement, all one word, dot org. If you'd like to learn more about people and organizations working to reduce the amount of avoidable food waste being generated um, globally, then be sure to visit the Food is Wasted website at foodiswasted.com. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter to be kept up to date on new content and subscribe to the podcast and videos via whichever platform you use. Um, I'd be very grateful for any sort of comments, any sort of reviews, ratings, anything that would help get this content that I'm creating out to a wider audience so as more people get to hear the stories and listen to the experiences of those people working at the front line of trying to reduce the amount of edible food needlessly going to waste. Thank you once again for listening and until next time, take care.